Hello and welcome back to A Reason for Hope. I'm your host, Mario Costabile, and today we're going to take a deep dive into our faith and in our Catholic Church. We're involved in many forms of media such as films, music, and events, so this is a little different for us. This is an opportunity for us to share in things we all think about but really never get a chance to discuss. Our topic today is called God Bless This Mess. I mean, family life is messy, isn't it? But God writes straight with crooked lines, so the saying goes. With the attack on family in our culture today, we are going to share with you some encouragement that it is possible to raise a family Catholic even with most of the media, entertainment, and even some of our schools infusing our kids with a doctrine that the church recognizes is harmful. Our intentional act to lead our families and to raise our kids in the Catholic faith will prove that this is the very thing that will strengthen and protect our families. So welcome to A Reason for Hope. And here we go. David, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Good to see you. Good to see you too as well. It's always fun gathering here at the Array of Hope Studios and doing our podcast. It's fun. Absolutely. So how have you been? I've been good. You know, uh, right now it's December. Uh, those of you that are listening to this will probably be in January, right? But um, it's been crazy. Array of Hope is moving 100 miles an hour, and uh, we're getting ready for Christmas uh, as a family. Um, we're going to be spending Christmas, actually. The Costabiles will be in L.A. for the first time ever. I've never been uh, in warm weather during Christmas. Oh, that's going to be weird. It's going to be very weird. <laughs> Santa does not have to wear his Santa outfit. He could just wear a T-shirt, right? That's weird. It's, it's, it's weird, yeah. but that, that, might, that, that, that might happen. <laughs> Sorry to all our West Coast listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know what? Uh, three of my kids are actually living out there uh, full time, uh, and it's amazing. You know, they're all doing their thing. They're all kind of living their life. It's uh, They're all different. I don't know if, uh, if you feel this way, um, but sometimes when I look at my kids, I'm wondering, like, how did all of these kids come from, like, the two of us, like there's so many combinations and you ever get that whole skip a generation thing where it's like, okay, well, you get some that are like you, you get it. Sometimes you feel bad that you gave them a certain trait, you know, um, you get some that are like Shannon, you get it. Even some that are like our parents, you can see that. But like, then you get one that's like, who are you? You know, mm. like it's, it's like they don't resemble anybody, you know, <laughs> you just can't make sense of them. Like, do you have that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I've got five kids, and every one of my kids is completely different from one another. There's similarities, and of course, in physical appearance, but personality-wise, they're all different. I mean, God made us this way, right? Unique DNA in, in all of us. Uh, it makes life interesting, yep. uh, and <laughs> yep. uh, you know, uh, it, it's actually beautiful. You know? Yeah, I think in a lot of ways it is. Actually, I have a theory that is connected to this. You want to hear it? Sure. That's what I'm here. I actually, I actually think that God does this because it makes things get messy. Mm. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think, you know, you have different personalities. Some of them get along. Some of them are in conflict. You know, mm-hmm. you have a, opinions. Some of them agree. Some of them collide. You know, uh, everyone seems to have their own perception of what their needs are and their own thoughts as to whether or not those needs are being met. 
uh, usually whether or not they're being met by us as parents, right? And uh, and then everybody has their own unique way of communicating, which is tricky because you almost have to kind of accommodate yourself. Mm. And uh, since no two kids are alike, as you say, God made them all very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those characteristics make sense to you so that you can relate easily. And then some of those characteristics don't, and you have to find a way to relate. Um, so I don't know. I think that, I think that God wants it to be messy because it forces us to kind of break out of ourselves. Does that make sense? Um, no, 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 no. Uh, what, 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 do you, what do you mean he wants us to be messy? Explain. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, well he for, wants it to be messy. I, I think, well, first let me say, I think that like there's a, a real desire for God to have a variety. Um, and this makes sense. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas said that since God can't be imitated perfectly in any creature, that a multiplicity of creatures, and I would add a people, is most fitting. The greater the multiplicity, um, the more fitting in turn. I think uh, the variety just shows the many ways that he's showing the beauty and the love that he's created, right? Through creation, right? Or even the beauty and the love that is himself. Mm. You know, like, so when, exactly. when goodness exactly. is multiplied and beauty is multiplied and a variety of, and there's a variety of that, mm-hmm. well, that's, that, many. that's just showing forth just how beautiful God is. And, and even in that variety, as crazy as that variety might be, um, it doesn't scratch the surface of the beauty that is God, for example, or the goodness that is God. So yeah. I think you can see this in your own children. That like, there's all these different combinations. There's all these different gifts. There's all these different personalities. And... And generally speaking, all of it's really good, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. But I also think that when, I, when we go back to talking about the mess, you know, and you asked about what do you mean that God wants a mess? I think that there are ways in which we can't learn to love if we're not bumping up against each other. Like if everybody related the way I relate, I wouldn't have to do a lot of work. Right? I would just know how you're going to take something and mm-hmm. say it in the way that you take it best, right? But yeah. if I don't know how you're going to take something because I'm not really sure of how you communicate, I got to learn about you and be attentive to those things in you that are unique so that now when I communicate with you or when I'm interacting with you, I can do that in a way that is suited for you. And this is especially, I think, the case... Um, when you're dealing with children is that you constantly have to adapt yourself. On one level, like you raise all kids the same in the sense that you're sharing the same values with them, right? You're, you want them to be hardworking, polite. You want them to be peop- uh, young people of faith, you know, like all these different things. But on another level, you don't raise any two kids the same because they're different. And so the way in which you have to adapt to help them to grow into that kind of person is going to be different. Mm. Um, even the way in which you might discipline one versus another is going to be a little bit more suited to that one's temperament or the like, you know? Um, but I think in a nutshell that like even the children themselves, them bumping up against each other is ultimately a good thing because if they take that to heart, then they want to be able to learn, okay, well, how do I need to relate to you? Yeah, 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 and and it, and it, it certainly uh, 
teaches the virtue of patience. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of good that comes out by trying to uh, understand members of your family, trying to understand and figure out ways to communicate the faith to them. So there's a lot of there's a lot of genius to the mess. Right. <laughs> and even in the ways that we might not typically think, like we all express and receive love differently. Right. Right. So like if uh, if the fundamental way in which somebody receives love or or imagines themselves to to be loved is through, let's say, acts of service. And yet you never do that, but you're only, you know, saying nice things to them. Well, they might not feel loved. Mm. Even though you think you're loving them by saying nice things to them, that's not what they need. Right. And that I think goes in a marriage. Um, but I also think it goes with your kids. Mm. It's like the question is, what do they need? And part of part of knowing what they need is how do they experience love? How do they communicate? How do they see the world? What are the things they're sensitive to? What are the things that they're not sensitive to? Like, mm-hmm. And then you have to work in all of that to help them to grow and develop. And sure. and, and they've got to kind of bump up against each other. And sometimes they bump up, bump up against you. Mm-hmm. But all that, if, if done with that love at the core, then that ultimately brings about a greater and greater perfection. You can't can't grow without getting outside of yourself. You know, mm-hmm. you can't grow in the virtue of charity unless you're breaking out of your own way of being and seeing. Sometimes, mm-hmm. um, you know, in uh, the rule of Saint Benedict, the abbot, who's the father of the monastery, it says in the rule that let him know how difficult and arduous a matter he has undertaken, namely to govern souls and to adapt himself to many dispositions, one with gentleness, another with rebukes, another with persuasion. So let him, according to the character and intelligence of each, mold and adapt himself that not only may no injury accrue to the flock entrusted to him, but that he may actually have an occasion to rejoice in the increase of his flock's welfare. Like, and I said, to myself, well, that's true of the abbot or abba or father of a monastery. It's very true of moms and dads in a family, right? I, and I know that one of my biggest challenges is I get into default mode. So, like, I the, the the temptation is to always deal with my children the way in which I would be dealt with, or to communicate to them the way in which I would understand, and yet that usually falls flat. Mm-hmm. Maybe even makes a problem. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, you have to uh you have to be creative and and figure out a language that resonates with them, right? Uh Yeah. And I think that that's why the messiness is intended. And, and you know, we're part of the mess too sometimes, yep. you know. We we're, we make mistakes and we learn and uh we need to humble ourselves as parents and and just figure out ways to better communicate the love of God, the love of Christ. As he did us, you know, for us. Right. right. It that's is a mess, but yeah. that's, uh, uh, it's a beautiful mess. Yes. All right. All right. Well, great. Great chatting with you, Dave. Awesome. Hey, guys, what's up? It's Alanis with Who's That Saint, where I give you guys three clues on one saint for you to guess before the big reveal. Who's that saint? 
Let's kick this off with clue number one. So this saint was born into an impoverished Italian family on October 16th, 1890. So over a century ago. Is that enough info for you to figure this out? Who's that saint? Clue number two. Following the death of this saint's father, she was given the responsibility of caring for her five siblings while her mother was away at work. As if that weren't trying enough, she also had to tend to her two neighbors' needs. Eventually, one of those neighbors had impure attractions to this future saint, but when the neighbor found out the feelings weren't reciprocated, he gave in to anger and murdered the saint. Is this tragic story ringing a bell? Who's that saint? And the final clue is that she is the youngest canonized saint in our church, considering that she did pass away at the young age of 11. So, guys, who is that saint? If you guessed St. Maria Goretti, you are right on the money. Maria Goretti was born a poor peasant child in Italy in the year 1890. And as I mentioned earlier, when she was just 11 years old, she was faced by, uh, we'll call it the inappropriate advances of her neighbor, Alessandro. But Maria committed to purity to the point of undergoing death rather than participating in a sin against God. During her last moments, she was quoted saying, for the love of Jesus, I forgive Alessandro, and I want him to be with me in paradise. My favorite part of the story is that during her canonization ceremony, her murderer, Alessandro, was standing alongside Maria's mother, kneeling in repentance. Talk about a redemption story. Her feast day is July 6th. St. Maria Goretti, pray for us. Hey there, welcome back to The Music Corner. AOH Music, the music entity of Ray of Hope Ministries, is two weeks into the debut release of our first single, One Life. You can find AOH Music on your music streaming platform of choice, and the official music video for One Life is available for viewing on YouTube. You can find all of these links in the episode's show notes. We have one life that our Heavenly Father has given us, and as we discussed a couple weeks ago, we are created to offer it back to Him for our own good, but oftentimes we rely solely on ourselves, our own abilities, to substantially offer this one life back to God. But ironically, this can backfire. It's easy to forget to ask for the necessary grace to live in charity. We've been instructed by Jesus to depend on our Father in Heaven who has the power to work through us if we allow Him. The Gospel of Matthew recollects Jesus preaching to his disciples on the necessity of childlike dependence on the Father. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 4, the Lord tells us, Amen, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one child such as this in my name receives me. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, 526 and 2785, explains this passage to us, reminding us that becoming like children in order to enter the kingdom of heaven does not mean to be immature or naive, but to become little by cultivating inner humility and trust in God.
Michael and Alicia Hernan are the founding members of the Messy Family Project. This ministry seeks to encourage and empower parents in their work of building vibrant families. Mike and Alicia share what they have learned from their own messy family over the past 28 years of marriage. They have 10 kids and five grandkids. You can see them regularly on EWTN. They also have a very popular podcast called The Messy Family Project. Please welcome Michael and Alicia Hernan. Okay, here we yeah. are with Mike and Alicia. How are you guys? How are you doing today? Outst- it is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's actually not physically a beautiful day here, but you know what? It's beautiful day because with we're you, with you. Right? That's right. That's right. Where, where's the <laughs> it's neighborhood? It's actually rainy and cold. Where, where's the neighborhood? Yeah, we are in Steubenville, Ohio. Ah. And uh, it's, a little, it's a little messy in this neighborhood. Yeah. A messy yes, house. Probably the, the two, two, two dreariest months, I think, in Ohio are February and November. So we're just at the end of November here. But uh, you know what? At least it's not February. It's worse then. I, 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 don't, I don't know if you, you, your life probably slows down uh, just like ours. Never. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, we're always going. And, and so it's, yeah. it's just nonstop action, which is good. But Well, especially as you, you know, between Thanksgiving and December, I say it's like the mom Olympics, you know, it's like, it's just the most intense time of family life is that holiday season. It's awesome and it's fun, but it's, there's a lot going on. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I, I forgot now. So how many kids do you have? Just 10. That's all, you know, and, uh, but we also have five grandkids. So wow. the, uh, we've got five younger kids who are still at home and the kind of the upper, uh, upper half, the, the top five or, or kind of graduated on, uh, to both five from adults, college. Basically. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Five adults and then five kids still at home. And but many- you know what? The, of those five at home, there's three teenagers, two teenage boys. So, you know, they take it's, up two. It, it keeps it keeps my heart strong. <laughs> they count as two. Yes, I get, I get that. That's right. Yeah, and, and actually, yes, you know, exactly. I, well, I have, I've had two raised two teenage boys and three girls, three teenage girls. But the girls actually count as three in my book. The girls are yeah, yeah, even yes. harder. Yes, yes. But uh, it's I'm with you there. A little bit more drama going on there. <laughs> a little bit more. But uh, so this is great. I'm, I'm thrilled to have you guys on. We've known each other for a few years and we've always talked about doing this and we're going to reveal yes. to our audience uh, the many things that we're brewing up together and working up and partnering up. So I'm excited to share that. But before we get into all yes. that stuff, um, I'd like to know a little bit about the two of you, maybe before you met, maybe mm-hmm. growing up. Uh, sure. Are you both cradle Catholics or are you converts? Tell me a little bit about your story. Yeah, actually, you know, it's so funny. Um working with you and hearing all of the New York, you know, New I York, know. Jersey accents. It's like, this is like my home. You know? <laughs> so I'm actually from the Philadelphia area. Mike grew up outside New York city in Long Island. And, but my mom grew up in um, Manhattan. Both of, okay. our, of our four parents, three of them are from New York city. And um, my dad's a country boy. <laughs> but actually I'm from a family of 10. So I'm the second oldest of 10 children myself. And my brothers and sisters are really my best friends. And so part of, you know, our, um, I, I guess, I don't want to say motivation in having a large family ourselves, but our maybe our lack of fear, <laughs> you know, and like our, our real excitement about raising our own family is because from, at least for myself, I'll let Mike share his own story, but for myself, I just have such a great relationship with my siblings. And I feel like it is the greatest gift my parents ever gave me, um, were my five or my four sisters and my five brothers and wanted to give that to my kids. But we, 
both went to Franciscan University, met orientation weekends, married our senior year and, wow. you know, been here ever since. I know kind of like high school sweethearts, I guess, college sweethearts. You could probably call that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But I, I grew up in Long Island and, uh, Irish Long Catholic, Island. uh, family in, so B B Alicia's family was Italian Catholic, Irish Catholic, you know, you know <laughs> but she, uh, her family was faithful and remains faithful and is strong. Um, I grew up in a home where, you know, uh, mass on Sunday wasn't an option. Um, it, it was. It wasn't uh, an option not to go. Um, but I, the faith was something that was foreign to me. My mom tried to drag me to prayer groups and different things. Um, but in my family, my my parents divorced uh, when I right before I got into high school, and that was a substantial uh, event in my life and uh, and left me wounded in many ways. And I struggled with that, to be very honest with you. But at a very early age, I remember around 16 years old saying, this isn't what marriage is supposed to be. This isn't what family life is supposed to be. Um, and, and started looking for the perfect example, I, looking for the ideal uh, marriage and family out there. And uh, th it doesn't exist, but <laughs> but but I, I I did find some great examples along the way, and I found some great people who I I slept on their couches, you know, different things, just trying to soaking in a, what is this all about? So in a way, I, I feel like what we're doing now is a bit of a fruit from my own childhood right. and what I experienced on the kind of negative side and how I I knew I wanted something different for my kids, but I didn't have a, a, a point of reference to say. So I kept mm -hmm. looking for others, looking for other mentors, looking for other wisdom to say, how does this marriage thing work? How do you be a parent in, in our world? And, uh, and I, again, I love my, my siblings and my, my parents and they're, they're all great and amazing people. Uh, but kind of the challenges of, of growing up is part of the reason we're doing this ministry now. And mm -hmm. really one of the things that I appreciated so much and actually was really attractive to me about Mike when we were dating. Was my is hair. That, <laughs> yeah, the hair, <laughs> yeah, the hair yeah. was one thing. Yeah, it was actually a lot bigger than what we're seeing right now. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> He's got cool hair. Um, He's got cool hair. Yeah, hey, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of calmed down a little bit, you know. <laughs> I've got, I got, I got hair envy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just to be very clear, I grow my hair out for those who can't. That's why I do it. I Thank do, you, it. I do it. Thank you very much. That's Appreciate it. that. <laughs> but, um, but I just always felt like he didn't take anything for granted. Like we had conversations about what do we want our family to look like, you know, or like, and about like what we wanted our kids to, or like our hypothetical, like even when we were dating before we were talking about like our kids, you know, but just like, kind of like, this is what I want out of family life. I mean, that was, those are conversations that I don't think regular college students necessarily yeah. have, but that was actually really attractive to me that he, that Mike was kind of going into family life with his eyes wide open and not taking anything for granted, you know, and we've always, and I think even though, you know, in some senses, like I know for me, when I look at my kids, you know, choosing a partner, you want them to find a spouse who's like, comes from a great, perfect Catholic family and, you know, and like has it all together. But we've found that that doesn't necessarily guarantee anything because God's grace is so much bigger than that, you know? And actually those people who come from divorced backgrounds, wounded backgrounds, 
many times, at least Mike was very, very intentional. And that mm. has always been a blessing to our marriage and to our family life. You know, so hey, you know, Catholic families come in all shapes and sizes, basically. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if you're enjoying this interview, be sure to check out the full video version on the Array of Hope channel. Subscribe for free at watch.arrayofhope.net. Then download the app by searching Array of Hope on your mobile device, Apple TV, or Roku. Yeah. So, I mean, that's also, you, you met in Steubenville. You said, you said by the, by your senior year, you, you were ready to get married or you got married in that's your senior right. year? Exactly. Yeah. It took me two years to convince her to go out with me. You know, it, 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 I had to keep working on it, but you know, it got her there. Yeah. But then we, I think that we both knew as soon as we met that this, this was something serious. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was kind of like holding him at an arm's length for a little bit, because once we started dating, it was just like, Boom, 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 boom. You know, it's like, we couldn't not talk about getting married. And, mm -hmm. you know, we started talking about getting married. It just felt like one summer was too far away. And then that summer was too close. And so we actually got married in the middle of the biggest ice storm on the East coast, which you may remember. Some people remember 1994, huge ice storm, lost power all oh, in the, the East coast. All it was a big winter. January 8th. Yes. January 8th. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of stories there, but that's a, that's a yep. whole other, other messy thing. story. Whole other thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, that's, so that's awesome. That's so what, yeah. you, so yeah. you get married and Mike, you're very intentional about, you know, uh, raising a family. I, and did you, did you talk, discuss about raising a family Catholic and, and really, um, what were those discussions like preliminarily in the beginning of your relationship? And then when you first got married, what was that like yeah. uh, planning so, a so family? We're, we're, yeah, pl planning a family. I, I don't know if there was- I don't know, was this planned? I, I don't know, it just gotta happen. Right? <laughs> but, 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 but the idea going into, we, we are a little strange. I, I, I definitely put us in that odd category in that as a 16 year old, I was thinking about marriage and family. Not that I wanted one, but what was it like? And, um, and I felt like when we, um, you know, went through this whole process together. We talked about, well, I just want, you know, as many kids as, you know, so we, we, it was very clear from the very beginning, we wanted God to be at the center of our marriage, of yeah. our individual lives and of our family. Yeah. Um, uh, but although Alicia had more experience in that category than I did, I think the both of in us- like praying as a family well, or? Praying and raising, you know, being around kids and all of that, the yeah, whole yeah, family yeah. Uh, package, uh, there was so many unknowns and, and nice ideals and nice uh, pious thoughts uh, don't always come into uh, the practical reality uh, of raising kids. So we did have some ideas, uh, but I think we learned more uh, from the mistakes that I've made and realizing there was still more stuff from my past that I needed to work through that came out in my parenting, like anger. I didn't realize I had a problem with anger until teenagers came along, you know? And so It only <laughs> took me until toddlers. To toddlers brought out the anger in me pretty a lot faster. <laughs> but, so. but honestly though, even, you know, it's so funny because nothing really, completely prepares you to be a parent. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just right. the way it is. Like, because even though I had, you know, I was around kids all the time. I, you know, was a teacher. I, I, I love children. I mean, I still like receive a lot of life from being with kids. I, um, I still had so much to learn, you know, and being a parent, I, there was still so many things that, um, that were still difficult, you know, in transition because I, nobody can, I could look to my mom for advice, but I realized 
at the end of the day, these aren't my mom's kids. These are my kids, mm. you know, Th these are my kids. And, and that was a responsibility that I don't know if I was completely ready for. I don't, I don't think you can be ready for it. I, I think it just kind of happens, you know, and it was still, it's still an adjustment, you know, it, it's still an adjustment in learning how to be a Catholic family. And the one thing we really both had going for us is we both had a very strong relationship personally with the Lord. Like we were both very faithful Catholics. Um, and even in the sense of really turning to the Lord on a personal level with personal issues and problems. And I think that that being able to be loved by God and to know his love for me, even when I felt like I was a failure as a mother, even when I'm, I yelled at my two-year-old and I just felt like such a jerk, you know, because I'm like, who yells at a two-year-old? That's like, ah, what am I doing? To know that I could go to confession, to know that the Lord loves me no matter what, like that was a huge advantage, I think, for us because not looking for, not idolizing, even though, you know, I did feel like I had the perfect husband, you know, <laughs> uh, but still like I can't, he can't fulfill everything that I need. Mm -hmm. Only God can do that. Yeah, mm -hmm. Mike can't fulfill the deepest longing of my heart. Only the Lord can do that. My children cannot fulfill the deepest longings of my heart. They can't, you know, as wonderful as they are. Only God can do that. So I feel like our faith kind of, even if, you know, we weren't perfect as people, our faith kind of set us up, yeah. you know. Yeah, it was the grounding. So, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Kind of gave us that grounding, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, of course. That, that, that's awesome. And you kind of alluded and, and talked about a couple of things here that I want to bring up. So um, the love for one another and the love for our Lord Jesus Christ uh, is powerful. Uh, and, you know, our kids... Uh, are led by example, you know, and, and one way that mm. I think isn't really talked about in trying to raise a Catholic family is by leading by example. Maybe you can share a little bit right. about, you know, uh, uh, the love that a spouse has for another spouse and the relationship and how you act toward one another and how you make God the forefront of your lives. Those those speak volumes to young children, especially in, yes. in the yeah. years that are very impressionable, right? So let's talk about yeah. that and the importance of that. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing you, you've already said it, but just to restate it, this is something that we teach a lot about the two foundational elements of a thriving, flourishing family is you got to get first things first. And the first thing is your spiritual life. Mm. And the second thing is your marriage yeah. and your yes. family needs to be built on that. And it's, it, it, it's a, the, the spiritual life in the sense that Alicia's already said this, but my spouse isn't my God. I don't, I don't, right. I don't look for her <laughs> to fulfill all of my needs and longings, right? Mm. I need to make sure that I put the king on the throne and not make myself, not make my wife, not make even my kids right. uh, on that throne in my life. That there is something very powerful about having a clear sense of our identity. And that before we're a spouse, we're a son and daughter of God. And that's the strength that I needed, particularly coming from a, a, a divorced family, I needed to reclaim my sonship, reclaim mm -hmm. that I had a, a father, a good father who loved me and I was a beloved son. And in that freedom and in that life, which comes from prayer, it comes from the transformation that comes through the Christian discipleship to, through real life uh, in the church. And out of that foundation, it gives me the ability to love somebody. And there is nobody else that I'll love 
more than my wife on this earth, period. And it, it, what does that look like? If I don't have the ability to give her love, or I'm impeded, I should say, in giving my love to her, if I think that you know, either I'm, I'm the best, I am the all perfect, and then I can figure out and serve all of her needs. I can't. And I need to make sure that as a husband, one of the first priorities that I have is making sure that she has a rich uh, prayer life, spiritual life, mm -hmm. and connection with God. And one thing that's so funny is that when you do those kinds of things, you are giving that example to your children mm. that they need, you know, when they see you loving the Lord, you know, like more is Be caught than taught. Yeah, I mean, like, that, that's what right? we say that all the time, you know, more is caught than taught. Kids are going to, you know, do what you do. They're not always just simply going to do what you say, even though life would be so much easier if we could just say all the right things and then our kids would just do it, you know? It's more, it's tougher than that. You know, we have to actually walk the walk or walk the talk, but, um, but also loving each other is a huge witness to your children of life-giving, self-sacrificing love for one other person. I mean, I know mm. for me, watching my parents love, and both of my parents are still alive today, alive and well, and loving each other, even today, witnessing that love is so, it's just a powerful sign of the love of God, you know? And and I, yeah, and I know that impacted me and I hope our love impacts our kids. <laughs> well, I, you know, and, and, and that's what something, actually, I just went through a retreat uh, not too long ago, a couple of years ago, where I realized in healing from the divorce, from my parents' divorce, I, I don't think I fully appreciated that I missed out on the couple love. Uh, right. basking in the glow of the love that my parents had for one mm. another, right? And <clears throat> and there's something very powerful. Like again, as we, you know, we're not a a um, we're a religion, we're a faith, where our whole worldview is built on the fact that we're a body soul that we need tangible things we can touch, the smells and the bells. That's why I love being right. Catholic, right? But it's like this love between couples really gives a tangible surety to our kids, and so they. They will feel it as part of the culture all around them, that it's even more powerful than what we might say in that it's it's just the presence in the home, that they have this fixed point. And then, you know, the, the witness of faith, the fact that I get up in the morning and that, um, that my kids sometimes see me as they come down, they see me praying. They see me with the Bible open. They know mm. this is dad's prayer time, right? They see us going to mass, going It's not going because to I am amazing yeah. and I've got it all figured out. They know I'm a work in progress, right? right. Mm -hmm. But they see what is first for dad. They see what's first for mom. They right. see the commitments that we've made, the way that we treat each other. And I think I would say our marriage is stronger and more vibrant today than it was 20 years ago. When people say, God, I, oh, I wish so. I loved you. Oh, I, I, I want to remember how much I loved you on our wedding day. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I didn't even know her back then. Yeah, right? Right. I want to love her with a richness of 28 coming up on 29 years right. of marriage. Right. Yeah. And I, I, that's what I want. And, right. and I want my kids to experience that. And so it, it is, it is vital for us to pass on, um, you know, in word, but indeed more mm -hmm. is caught than taught. And so the, the, mm -hmm. that simple action of our spiritual life uh, individually and as a couple, and then our, our love mm -hmm. really is a powerful force within our home that, that too quickly gets glossed over like, oh yeah, we pray. No, 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 no. Do, do you know it? And do your kids know it? And is it a felt force, if you will, <laughs> a peer pressure, a, a culture within your home? Yeah. Uh, that's the 
that's the difference that a, a, a thriving family can make. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that's awesome. So, uh, and essentially what I'm getting is that you're putting your spouse first, you know, and, and it's yeah. very intentional yes. in, in, in yes. your yes. approach to doing that. But how do you nurture that? How do you make it, um, how do you keep it vibrant? How do you nurture the relationship? Maybe you could give us some pointers on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, I was going to say, when we talk to veteran couples, you know, couples have been married longer than us, you know, and we ask them, we never, never lose an opportunity, you know, to talk to someone. And I would say this to anybody who's listening to this, never lose an opportunity to talk to someone who's married 40 years, 50 years, ask them their secrets. What we have heard again and over again, and over. regular time with your spouse, mm. whether that is daily connection, a regular date night where you are leaving the house <laughs> to get away from the children, <laughs> you know, to be alone together. And even yearly or even every, every other year, a weekend away or a week away, because so many parents, especially young parents, really, um, well, I'll put it this way. The needs of children are always urgent. You know, they, they always need something. And that's just the way they, they, that's the way they are, right? This teaches us to be unselfish, all of that. The needs of your spouse, the needs of your marriage, they're never urgent. Until there's a crisis. Yeah. You, you know, when your marriage is urgent, your marriage is urgent when someone says, I want a divorce. Mm. Then all of a sudden the marriage is urgent, you know? But we can always sideline our spouse and say, oh, later I'm too tired, I'm too busy. We have this, we have yeah. that, we don't have money. You, we, we do that. We tend to do that. And that is very, very dangerous. So we have got to give our spouse, give our marriage. It's not even necessarily giving your spouse. It's the marriage, right? right? Which is almost like a third thing. It's like your marriage is almost like something outside of you that you yeah. need to talk about and look at. But giving that marriage, the nurturing that it needs is essential. And another part of that, I mean, it's your time. It's in the, the daily, the weekly, the monthly, and, and the annual getaways and all of that, that those are vital to keep this alive right. because there's so much depending on this, you know? I mean, that's the the other part that I I, uh, I think is is that we have to pursue our spouse, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, we actually have a, a whole uh, podcast that we've got like, you know, different ways to, to pursue your spouse, but the, just that idea that this is my beloved. This is somebody who, even though we don't always agree, even though we may, you know, come from two different backgrounds, two right. different personalities, I want to pursue you. And after 28 years of being married to you, I want to be able to say, you're still a bit of a mystery to me. Right. Uh, that, that there is still more that I want to know and not settle for kind of getting old or stuffy and, you know, in your routine, your routine, because we, mm -hmm. there's, there's a beauty to having the habit of loving somebody. Um, but we need to elevate the simple ways, the daily ways that we're saying, I'm putting you first. And, and, and this is a really stupid example in some ways, but it was a, a little thing that we did a couple years ago where um, Alicia wasn't really feeling loved by me. And, you know, again, we've been married 25 years and so forth. And, and, I, and I was not sure what to do with that. And, uh, and I just asked her, I said, well, what would show you love? I mean, that's not a bad question to ask. If you're wondering how you can love yourself, maybe just ask them. Maybe <laughs> just, and, and she said, you know, what would be great is I, I love coffee in the morning. Could you make coffee for me? I do it every now and then. Well, that became a, a new ritual for me. So that before I had 
shaved, showered, did anything for the start of my day, I went down and put her first. Little sacrifice, brought it up to her, woke her up with coffee. Um, and I forgot to do it this morning, but, um, but, but that, that but I'm, I keep a tally on my calendar. Of course, but it's about, it's about us trying to say, how can I make an effort to love you? Because too quickly, many people feel like they, we fall prey to what the world believes love is. And love is not a feeling. Love is not an emotional high. Love is a decision. And that decision is saying, I am putting you first. I'm making, right. before I, I look at myself, I'm looking at you right. and I'm willing your good. And this is for your good. And I want to, I'm going to bless you and getting to know our spouse, whether it's their love language, whether it be their personalities, whether it be, you know, how, how they operate, how they, so that we always are saying, how can I lay down my life for my You know, spouse? actually one thing, when a, when a, uh, idea that we give couples, which we started doing every time when we would go on date nights. Cause I know people will say, well, we go out, but we wound up, oh, yeah. we wind up just talking about the kids or we wind up having like a business meeting almost. You have to be really careful when you spend that time with your spouse, that you're still getting to know each other. So there's these cards that I've gotten called our moments, or there's like an app. How well do you know me? Like where we literally will be like asking each other questions about mm. like, what was a typical day in your childhood like? What was the greatest thing your dad ever taught you? You know, what what awards have you received that you're most proud of? You know, like just things like that after 28 years of marriage that- There was still more. So many, there's always more. There's always more. And like this, like, how well do you know me? Like, you know, it's like an app where it's like almost like a contest where you try to guess your spouse's likes, dislikes. And it, yeah, it is, is. it's, it's just fun. Mm -hmm. You know, like we have to remember- why, first of all, get to know each other, but also what made you fall in love in the first place, you know, and go back and do those things, whether it's athletics or maybe art museums or going to antique stores or, you know, whatever it is that you did together when you fell in love, don't let those things yeah. go by the Spice roadside. Spice up your love life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like make sure that you keep that love alive, you know, between the two of you, no matter how many years you've been married. Yeah. Like it's so, so important. It's the most important thing you can do for your kids, yeah. honestly. You know, I've been married 38 years myself. So, I um, mean, you know, yeah. you bring a lot of garbage from your past to your marriage. That's right. And then one of the things that you had said, Mike, that was really enlightening and powerful is that you need to communicate. You need to tell one another what your needs are. And of <sighs> yes. course, always yes, make so God true. first and foremost. And, and I, and I, we talked about the supernatural grace that God gives us to sustain our marriage through the sacrament of marriage, right? Uh, but then yeah. the second thing is communication. That's one thing I've learned is that uh, I, I share with you before my my. I'm, I'm, I always get excited talking about Sue and she's probably laughing listening to this right now. Yeah, right. But I'm saying no, <laughs> it, 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 it's true because I get she surprises me even today being married 38 years. She'll say something that I never thought about or she'll say something that uh, it, it challenges my pride and my ego because I have to listen. It's it's a you have to you have to work that muscle, right? That muscle of yeah. a really humility humility sometimes when you're work speaking mm. with your uh, spouse. So I want to kind of go there with you guys that, you know, you kind of shared the importance of listening to one another. And I think that's also a, a major um, sample and example to your children because that that shows how couples work differences out and and 
Uh, we didn't, mm-hmm. my wife and I didn't really bring God into the, our c- equation till much later in our marriage, which we needed yeah. and God knew that. So maybe you can kind of yes. share that, you know, the grace that uh, is in the sacrament and, and, and that works within the couple uh, and also how that grace can unite and make a family stronger as well. First, I'm going to just do a little uh, theory, in, in, or at least something that I was inspired by. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, you know, great uh, non-Catholic, but 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 a great leader uh, in, in so many ways. He had this uh, to say, he had this beautiful homily uh, that he gave for his niece's wedding when he was in a concentration camp for under the Nazi regime, and uh, the the small line that that really struck me was that. Uh, your love is a private affair, but your marriage is a public uh, position, a, an office to the world. It is not your um, love that keeps your marriage alive. It's your marriage that keeps your love alive, meaning mm. the sacrament Amen. is what keeps your love alive. And, and, and there are times when we're all going to struggle in our marriage. Mm. There are going to be times when our love doesn't feel as vibrant, when there are those Mm-hmm. And we need to lean into that grace. So it's not a trivial thing. There right. are times when we, as a married couple, need to pray together, like, Lord, help me. <laughs> Lord, get us through this day. Help yeah. us, you know, and lean into that grace because it's there for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And um, but but on on, you know, but grace builds on nature, right? And the the reality is, is that it's supposed to work in this relationship. And the um, uh, you know, the the whole root of community is communion, communion of persons, right? And, and the, the most important relationship in human existence is the love between spouses. Mm-hmm. And so that communion starts with um, a communication with um, both being vulnerable um, and receiving it with reverence, meaning um, taking the risk in communicating uh, when we've been offended, when we've been hurt, uh, when, um, uh, when we have something out there that we really need our spouse to help us with, mm-hmm. um, too often for me as a guy, and I think it goes for, for humans in general, we don't want to admit that we're weak, but this relationship is the one place where we ought to be the safest and the mm. most protected and communication. Um, you know, women are just simply better communicators, at least in general than men. And it's hard for us to learn that, Mm -hmm. but it is how we come to not only know the other, but even we get to know ourselves and then we can receive love even more. And at the end of the day, that love is going to change, transform and heal us. And Mm -hmm. I can say as somebody who came from a divorced, wounded background, I didn't get, I didn't get fixed, uh, by Alicia, but the grace and the the, the, the beauty of her love has transformed me, has healed me that through mm. the grace of the sacrament, I am new because there are moments where I, I did lose my cool and we talked about it, or mm. I, I was working through some stuff that we just needed to, I, I needed to confide in her. Um, and in such a way, you know, simple little daily things, as well as some bigger, heavy stuff. Yeah. Uh, that kind of communication is something we learn and can always grow in. And I, I don't think that we can talk about communication between spouses without talking about forgiveness. You're right. Yeah. I mean, the reconciliation and forgiveness that has to happen um, on a regular basis, you know, between spouses. That, and I, I do think that at, early in our marriage, when we were still getting to know each other, right. And we were still kind of like figuring out our relationship, like 
there was like more times when we kind of like need to ask and give forgiveness. And there's still times today, of course, you know, cause you're always, we're always a work in progress. But I think that the more often you can ask forgiveness and kind of get used to doing that, the better it is because we're always going to offend our spouses. Like we're always going to hurt each other's feelings. We're always going to say something thoughtless. And sometimes it's, you don't even mean to, Mm -hmm. like I would do something. I didn't even know I did anything wrong, you know, but to still be able to go to your spouse, if they say, you know, I was really hurt in this situation to be able to say, you know, I'm sorry that I said that that was wrong of me to say that. Will you forgive me and ask them to extend that mercy really that comes from God, right? Because there is a debt. Like when you offend someone, there's a debt. Like they did something wrong. They did something they should not have done, right? We all do that. Injustice, right. And for to say to your spouse, I forgive that debt. I I let that go. I'm going to let that offense that way that you hurt me because you said, ba ba ba, you did, you forgot this or whatever. I'm going to let that go. You know why? Because I am obedient to Christ mm. because I'm a Christian. And that's, that's what it means to be a follower right. of Jesus is that he doesn't ask us to forgive the Lord. Our Lord commands us to forgive. And so, so yes, that's true for really big things, right? Like sometimes we have to go through forgiveness for our parents or for somebody at work or some big things that may have hurt us. But that's also true on a smaller basis with our spouse. And it's so important that we kind of have those conversations and that we learn how to give forgiveness and to receive forgiveness as well. Um, yeah, yeah that's deal. an essential part of that communication. That's also uh, leads me to the next question. So today's the name of our 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 podcast and our show today is called God Bless This Mess. And you know, family life is messy. So tell us a little yes. bit about your apostolate <laughs> and your podcast, and and then I'm going to introduce a little bit of the work that we're going to be doing together as well. So tell us a little bit about what you do. All right. So we are the Messy Family Project, right? And we have the Messy Family Podcast. Um, And one of the reasons we call it messy, uh, you know, think about this. We're we're coming in the holidays, you know, season here. And um, have you ever baked uh, with little kids? Yeah, yeah, I always say that's my, my, my purgatory is going to be baking with children. It's uh, messy. But, 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 <laughs> it's it is messy. Zag, it's very but, messy. But, <laughs> and you don't do it because it's the most efficient way to bake cookies. Right. Uh, it, it isn't because you want to be a time saver. You do it because there's something beautiful that's being passed on a tradition, you know, but it, but it involves a little bit of mess. And we also use the word messy because, you know, I talked about my background, but we all come from different backgrounds. Right. We all come from different experiences and God takes us wherever we're at. But the hope is in, in our ministry is that we begin with a no barrier to entry. Hey, you, you're, you're, you're working on your spiritual life, your moral life. You're working on the junk and garbage in your home, whatever it might be, wherever you're at, you're welcome. Right. But the idea is that we want to go to a place where you're embracing your sacred calling. And we believe that's our mission at the Messy Family Project is to help moms and dads embrace their sacred calling. Mm-hmm. And we do that through our podcast, which comes out every week, um, as well as um, uh, lots of online resources to help with date night conversations, resources to help couples uh, build their uh, a discipline plan, a, a kind of a vision for your family, lots of tools and resources, as well as uh, conference uh, retreats, as well as courses that we offer. Those are the big stuff that we do as yeah. a ministry. And we offer all kinds of things to help families build their own family culture, 
build their own Catholic um, traditions and rituals and habits within the home. So like for right now, we have um, an Advent book that we have out, like just, you know, couples can pick it up. They can do things in their in their home for Advent. We have a Lenten program. We have a summertime program. And everything that we do, we almost, almost everything that we do is free because we just want to make what we have available to people, no matter where they're at, because we know that Catholic family life is hard. And a lot of times people just need that encouragement and support and ideas, you know, right. To know that they're not the only ones. Oh, and we also do have, we have a member site as well for couples to interact with other families who share their values. And we have member date nights and special discounts and things for our members. So lots of different things that we're offering and believe it or not, things that we are still working on yeah. <laughs> with our team that we're, we're going to always be doing more. We're always being spurred on to do more for sure. Yeah, this is so great. This is so positive because the, the, the families do need resources. Uh, I, I, there's lots of families that are always contacting me saying, how do I do it? And, and this is a That's perfect right. resource. B young couples that have a desire yes. to raise their family Catholic uh, yeah. don't really know how to do it. So is there a website you want to share with us? And, and, and I'm sure everything's on your website, right? Yeah, every, all of the resources that we mentioned are available on our website, MessyFamilyProject.org. MessyFamilyProject.org has all those resources. Uh, We're pretty easy to find. Yeah, <laughs> and anywhere you find podcasts and, yeah. and, and in the future, in a new uh, venue here in the very near future. Yeah. We are super excited to be partnering with the Messy Family Project, partnering up yeah, with yeah. you messy guys. Uh, that we're going to be, uh, <laughs> we're all going to get messy together uh, here at Array of Hope, and we're going to be sharing the podcast on our channel, uh, the Array of Hope channel, coming this upcoming year. So we're super excited about that. So um, yes. you know, thank you so much, guys, for sharing your time with us. It's been a pleasure just uh, chatting and sharing the faith. It's always fun to, uh, you know to be in communion with one another and, and, and share uh, the importance of God and, and to share it with people because people need to be inspired. And that's how yeah. I personally, uh, you know, uh, developed in my own faith journey, right? You listen to people and you can say, oh, yeah. I can do that. I, I think that's manageable yes. for me and, and show me how to do that. And that's the whole point of what yeah. we do. That's the point of our organizations, right? To show people that this mm -hmm. is possible in your life, right? Uh, yeah. So thank you so Absolutely. much. And Oh, yeah. you're so welcome. Thank Mer you for your generosity too. Like, I just feel like anytime we interact with other ministries who are like, we're all workers in the vineyard. Like, you know, Amen. we're all pulling in the same direction and yeah. it's such an encouragement to us. Well, yeah. And also too, just, just uh, we're excited about the partnership with, with Array of Hope and, and all that you're doing. Yes. Um, love the, the, the mission, love the impact. And, and just particularly in this day and age, I, I think we need more hope. I think we need more yes. witnesses and, and the world is getting a little darker out there, maybe a lot darker. And yeah. the hope is, is, is a shining light. You know, our little candles now, as we're partnering are right. now becoming this roaring fire. And I love <laughs> to see that. That's a, that's a great symbol and a great focus, particularly in this time of year, we need the hope restored Amen. and renewed. Amen. So thank you, Myra. You're quite welcome. And, and, and thank you for all your work. God bless you guys. God bless. Thank you. So glad that you joined us for this episode. It was cool, very enlightening. I want to remind you, please, to share this podcast with as many people as possible. Let everybody know. The more people know, the better we can serve God and they can hear God's voice. We also ask that you prayerfully consider going to our donation page and help us in our work. 
All you have to do is go to our website at arrayofhope.org. Also join us on social media where we keep you connected with our faith through our music, our videos, and our daily reflections. Lots of great stuff to check out and share with you. We also pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet every day on Instagram at 3 p.m. So please join us. Our guest next time will be Bishop Andrew Cousins. Very cool. It's the second time we have a bishop on our podcast. Excited for that. So thanks for joining us today. There's always a reason for hope. This is Mario Costabile. Until next time, peace. Peace.